Hey there, welcome to episode four of the For Glory podcast. I'm CJ. I'm the one who created our current intro theme song, and I hope to make more creative projects for our show in the future. I also play V, the little Galten Poppet. To the folks of Otari, she's a strange living doll who appeared out of the woods one night, and ever since has been living at the Dawnflower Library. But even a doll who's only been herself for two months needs money, so V often takes odd jobs around the town, more often than not chasing out rats due to her small size. After all, she has her noble steed Henry to feed, a strapping young shepherd butt. Now, V is a character born of my pure spite. I didn't like the ending of the Nutcracker. So, as you do, I came up with a whole story, replacing the Nutcracker with the doll V. Maybe one day I'll be able to write that story, ADHD willing. She's always been a stoic, serious character, getting caught up in how she expects things to go. But with so little experience, it's hard to know how things should go. But though she's made of wood and beast, she's still a person, her own person, with thoughts and feelings. We saw a bit of those feelings last episode, as V became more and more frustrated that her invocations of Serenray fell on deaf ears. Was that not where the deity's words should shine the brightest? Had she done something wrong, or was the goddess's gaze simply not on her? So many questions for the little doll. You can keep track of our adventure by following us on social media, and we would love to hear any feedback. Feel free to send us an email at foreglorypod at gmail.com. Spell it F-O-U-R glorypod at gmail.com. Now, settle in, get some snacks or what have you, as we begin episode four. Come on, baby, gaunt light my pyre. Last time on the Four Glory Podcast. I've got a hunch about what's going on over here. You proceed further into the ruins. Well, we're in it now. From the rubble and wreckage rise six ghostly kobolds. It seems we're creating more questions than we're answering. You're going to have to try something other than hitting it. It's, uh, it gets planted oh, pretty no. deep. I need... Oh! The power of Saren Ray compels you! Fuck. Come on, Jacon. You know what you're doing here. No amount of boofing that's gonna help this right now. We just need to. <laughs> boofing is something different. Oh, Henry! Oh, no. Orin's gonna check the door for traps. Willem will take a step back. The glistening, translucent horrors surge towards if you. If you hit him, they'll squirt. The maggot starts chewing. Oh, what the hell? It is nonstop <laughs> with the fumbles. Oh, you guys get like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I think I can keep going. How about you, big guy? Corwin doesn't respond. Right. Your story continues now. the door. The interior of this watch post still has a wooden ceiling high above, but a thick mound of filth and animal carcasses heaped on the floor make this room anything but inviting. Inside, you see a gigantic fly about the size of a, a small horse, not like a micro horse, not like a little Sebastian, but like a, like a little full-size horse. 
Alright, so I believe that you uh, wanted to slam that door right away. Yes, I wanted to close that right back up. What we're going to do to see if that's going to go off or not, we're going to throw just a quick initiative between you and the fly. Okay, now because last time I said I used my strong little wood arms, can I use athletics? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 24. Ooh, 20. Okay, so yeah, we're going to say that you're able to slam that door before anything else happens with that fly. But you can hear it on the other side, just... I <laughs> can't open it. It slams into the door. Yeah, she's like holding onto it, like bracing against it, like, Okay, we've uh, we've got something over here. Orwin's going to run to assist V. Let's go with an athletics check with the assist from Borwin as you try to brace this door from being bust down by a fly the size of a horse. I, I rolled a 16 for my athletics. Oh, unfortunately, that is not going to be enough, but V, you can still hold this door. Maybe. So V rolled a one. That's going to be Ooh. a seven. Yeah, that's not going to do it. Ruh, ruh. The giant fly got an 18 on its athletics. The door flings open, pushing V from her feet, knocking her back five feet. You are prone, then we're going to roll some initiative. Oh, sure, now I get a good roll. That's got to happen once in a while, right? <laughs> Statistically, you'd think. We got 21. Nice, nice. That's pretty good, except Gwilym got a 22. Jack got a 14. And the giant fly comes in with a 19. Up top, we got Gwilym. What are you going to do when the giant fly comes for you? So did the giant fly come out of the room? No, not yet. The giant fly has bashed the door open, flung V across the room a little, and you can just hear it coming. You hear, <coughs> blows the door open, and then the buzzing, the horrible buzzing, continues. Gwilym will use his first action to move across the room to better see the fly, keeping V between Gwilym and the fly. Once there, Gwilym will cast Magic Missile again, having just regained that spell, so two missiles will hit, since I only have two actions left. Gwilym will cast it with so the two bolts hitting will be 10 damage to the giant fly. They crack right into the side of the fly. 10 damage. It is staggered a bit, but still flying. V, your turn. First action is going to be to stand back up. And then second action is going to have to be to calm Henry so he doesn't run off. Get a nature check. 14. Okay, that does work because he's frightened for. So now with a final action, V is going to stab with her lance towards the monster. The fly's got a reaction. Hey, it's got a thing called Avoid the Swat. So the triggers of the giant fly is targeted with a melee or range attack by an attacker it can see. The giant fly gets a plus two circumstance bonus against the triggering attack. So go ahead and roll your attack again. 13. So if the attack misses, the giant insect can fly up to its speed. So it zips out into the chamber that you guys are in. Now it's the fly's turn. It's going to attack you, V, because you're the one who's disturbed it from what it's doing, and now you're trying to jab it. it it's not a fan. It's going to attack you with the mandibles. How about a 26 to hit you? Yep, that's going to hit. All right, so the mandibles chomp chomp on you, and you get hit for six points of piercing damage. Plus. Oh, no. I need you to make a fortitude save. 27. Ooh. That's a natural 20. Nice. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Perfect. Critical success. You feel great. All right, so then uh, it's going to try to attack the guy that fired off that magic spell at it. It's not a fan of that. Uh, who, who's that? I, I don't know who that was. Well, that's, that would be you, Gwillem. Uh, I attack you. It's going to get a six on that attack roll. Well, fortunately, that is a critical miss. My AC is 16. 
Alright, so let me break out these fumble cards, our best friends. Uh, one day, one day we're going to see a critical hit card, I swear. So the fumble card I got on this thing's unarmed attack is Bad Jam. You are clumsy, one, and enfeebled, two. So this thing just really, really fucked up on that bite. It's going to fly all the way back and higher up so that it's out of range. It can get out of range of everybody except for V because of that long reach on the lance. So no melee attacks are going to hit it unless they've got reach. We go back to Jack. Okay. The thing flew past you in the chamber that you're in and is now about 15 feet away from you. I would like to do a recall knowledge check on this creature. Yeah, you've got the skill. Okay. And you said you're trying to find uh, what? Weaknesses. All right, so with that role, you remember that giant mutant flies tend to be attracted to fire and bright lights. We'll consider that a weakness. Jack is going to take a quick moment to study this creature, and he's going to cry out to his allies, This thing, the giant fly, use fire or light to distract it. I'm going to use my final two actions to ready an action. When this fly flies by Jack, he's going to take a swipe at it with his rapier. Okay, cool. Don't forget about it, because I already forgot about it. Uh, Borwin, you're up next. I'll move here and hold action to attack the creature if it flies by as well. Okay. Top of the next round. Let me get a perception roll from everybody. Okay. Borwin rolled a 12 on his perception. V rolled a 23. Jack perceives at a 17. Uh, Gwilym got a 19 for perception. With those results, everyone except for Borwin can hear the buzzing and flapping of an additional set of gigantic fly wings as a second giant fly makes its first appearance. And it is coming in hot. I rolled its initiative at a 26, so it's going to come in first. Oh, great. It flies in from the other room. Same one that the first one came out of. Comes in behind Borwin. It's going to attack you with its giant fly mandibles. It's taking me. Oh, it's attacking you. Does a 21 hit you? It does. So it sinks its mandibles into your shoulder from behind. You weren't ready for it. You were distracted by the other fly that you were waiting for, lining up the right shot. It bites you. Four, four points of piercing damage. Ooh, okay. And a fortitude save. All right, Borwin rolled a 19 on his fortitude. 19 is, is good. It's going to attack you a second time. Ooh, how about an 11? You're no longer flat-footed at this point. You're now aware of this fly that's attacking you. Um, that wouldn't be enough to hit. Okay, so yeah, it's, it tries to bite in you again, but it, you're aware this time. You're able to better defend yourself. On those perception rolls that we did earlier, V, you had a pretty high one. You had a 20-something? 23. 23, okay. So you spot that that first fly that came in there, that boy is blue and green. And this second one that came in there, this one is brown and blue. Different color. Gwillem, your turn. Yeah, Gwillem's going to continue to back up now that there's a stream of flies coming out of this door. He will back up a full 25 feet, end up going up the stairs in that northeast corner of the room, the rickety stairs, just to be able to better see both flies in the room. And then Gwillem will cast Daze. Which one are you targeting? Uh, targeting the first fly that came out, the one that I hit with the magic missiles. Okay. I will need it to perform a will save, please. All right. I got a 15. All right. So that's a failure. It will take damage equal to my spellcasting ability modifier. So four damage. Four damage. You mind blast it. V, your turn. You've got one of these flies right next to you. The other one's up in the corner in the back of the room. All right. 
Being that Gwilym can still get good shots on it, we will use her first turn to quickly hop up onto Henry's back. And then second action, I'm going to roll a nature check to get him to move. <laughs> That's going to be a natural one. Oh Henry's not moving anywhere. Just barking at all these flies. <laughs> That's the second crit fail today. Yeah, you're off to a good start. Maybe refresh the page. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> well, I can still aim at this thing at least. So I'll take a shot towards the one in front. So it's going to do the avoid the swat. So its AC goes up by two and it's going to move. It's going to fly across the room up towards where Gwillem is. Getting ready to bite you. It doesn't like all that magic going on. Next up is the blue fly that's up up in the corner there. This thing's been hurt pretty bad. It is going to fly away. It goes out through the giant hole in the wall that leads out to the fog fen. It disappears into the gray mist. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, thanks, guy. <laughs> Shoe fly, don't bother me. And that's what that one does. So, Jack, your turn is now. Okay, so with green and blue buzzing off, Jack is going to move across the rubble to the east side of the room and try to flank the brown and blue fly that's attacking Gwillem right now. Action number two, I would like to do another devise a stratagem, and with that, getting a recall knowledge check, this time to try to find out any strengths this thing has. Let's see how we do. Okay, while you're doing that, I'll roll my d20. Three, that's not good. And you know that giant flies can eat fire. They absorb it into their bodies, redirect it outward. Mm, that's interesting. So with that knowledge, Jack is going to say, Don't feed it fire! Might be attractive, but it might eat it. So my final action is just going to parry. Borwin, your turn. Borwin's going to walk up to it and then grab the handle of his axe with both hands, raise it up to the air, and drop a swing on top of it. Does the 20 hit? Yes, a 20 is going to hit it. Okay, that's uh, 14 damage, slashing. Nice. <sighs> yeah, that's good. That's a lot of damage. This thing's hurt. Hurt bad. And that'll be my turn. Okay, so it's the giant fly's turn. Doesn't have a lot of good prospects here, but it's pretty stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. It doesn't like getting hit, though. It's going to try to fly away. Uh, none of you, unfortunately, have an attack of opportunity, I don't think. Is that right? Correct. I do not. No. Yeah, this thing's going to fly away. It's going to fly out over Borwin's head, make a beeline, or I guess a fly line, towards that gap in the wall, and fly back out into the mist of the fog vent. That is the end of that combat. And and it flies fast enough that we wouldn't be able to catch it? Oh, they're pretty quick, man. 40-foot fly speed. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh... Nah, let him go. You know what? Just let him go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Henry can cross that river. You're lucky my dog can't run that fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm get some wings on this dog. <laughs> so with all the flies gone, Gwilym will peer into the closet, or whatever you would call the room the flies came out of. He will say, B. Borwin, will one of you take a closer look and make sure it's clear? Alright. I can take all of that. Uh, still writing on Henry. She'll pop over into that room. Okay. Well, the ceiling of this room is a little higher up than in the previous chamber that you are exiting currently. It's about 15 feet high. I'll roll perception for you. Oh, hey, you've got dark vision. Nice. So you can see in there no sweat. You're able to see up to the ceiling. There's a trap door in there. And the trap door 
looks like it's big enough for one of these flies to fit through. There's the remains of a ladder hanging down. It ends about uh, about 10 feet off of the ground, but it goes up to that trapdoor. The trapdoor is open? The trapdoor is currently closed. Oh. The ground in here is covered in corpses, and it stinks. It's, it's dead animals and whatever else uh, these guys were able to find in the area. It is clear on there there's just a lot of corpses. I don't think they will be able to come back in there. There's a shop door, but it is closed. All right, well, we have secured this half of the area. Shall we take a look around, be sure we haven't missed anything? Well, you mentioned corpses, and I believe we've seen quite a few. Do we all want to dispatch ourselves to an individual corpse and see if we can find any clues? Yeah, I'd like to check the other room, just for my own curiosity's sake. Splendid. If everyone is fine with that, I'll give a, this frog a look over. I can take a look at both those stairs. I think they'll be able to hold my weights. Okay, so in this room, there's the corpse of the giant frog. The two massive maggot creatures crawled out of this thing last session, and you are examining that corpse. What are you looking for, or do you have any skills you want to apply to this investigation you're doing? Oh, absolutely. Before Gwillem investigates the frog, he will reach into his material component pouch, pick out a small piece of ripped paper, pinch it between his middle finger and thumb, then snap the paper forward, casting Pocket Library with Kushevergesh. Okay, what's that do? So what happens is, when I use my next recall knowledge check, that paper will pop back into being as a tome from an extra-dimensional library. And, what's more, it's already opened to the appropriate page for the knowledge I seek. I believe I'm trained in the appropriate skill for the frog here? Yeah, definitely. You're, you're trained. Alright, excellent. I will call forth the open tome. It grants me a plus one status bonus on the check. If I roll a crit fail, I get a failure instead. If I roll a success and it's a creature, I get even more knowledge. Okay, cool. So you got some in-depth insight. I'm going to tell you, you rolled really well. Or, well, I guess, rather, I rolled really well for you. Knowledge nature is what's appropriate here. This giant frog is much larger than a frog ought to be. That's step one. The thing's back legs have been bitten off. The skin of this frog is very poisonous. Not the kind of thing that you want to eat. Looking at the missing... Well, I guess looking at where the legs should have been, you can tell both were bitten off by one bite. Damage done to the inside of it is clearly from these maggots trying to, to eat it from within. Uh, it looks like the frog wouldn't be much of a, a threat outside of if you tried to eat it, it would probably kill you. Now, is this just a normal swamp frog? Like, is this something that would normally be seen around Otari? Uh, yes, in a much smaller size. Okay, gotcha. Normally, a big one of these guys would probably be about the size of both of your fists side by side. But this thing is about the size of you. Oh, so this is quite a bit larger. Okay. All right, who else is doing some investigating? I guess I can go, I suppose. Okay, and where is Jack investigating? So Jack is going to move into the room where the flies came in. Okay. What does Jack see? Uh, Not a ton. Uh, You're pretty much overwhelmed immediately once you stick your head in there with the smell of what's going on. It's just rotting corpses 
and so pungent that your eyes water and it takes all your effort to not immediately vomit when you stick your head in there. But you take a quick peek around, all you can really make out is just a pile of rotting corpses in there. They're all pretty much animals from what you're able to make out before you stick your head back out and puke on the floor. Yeah, no, I don't see anything else in. What? <coughs> yeah, no, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Go get yourself some fresh air. Compose yourself. Yeah, yeah, let me go ahead and do that. And Jack's gonna move over where the flies flew out from before and just kind of stick his head out and just try and get as much fresh air as he can. Okay, so you go out through that giant hole in the wall there and stick your head out into the fog. The little bit of sunlight that was left when you were entering is gone. So all you can see out there is just darkness and fog. Can't even really see your hand in front of your face if you get outside of the light spell from Quillum. Yeah, Jack would probably be staying within the range of the light spell at least, just to kind of recompose himself. It's still hot, still muggy, sweaty, and all of the humidity in the air just sticks to you. You can't, you can't cool off here. It's just awful. Yuck. Yeah, yuck. V, you said you were gonna investigate something as well. Going back up north to the room where all the kobold ghosts were. Okay. Yeah, gonna be riding around on Henry, just casing the joint, stabbing at rubble, looking for things. Okay. Is there anything specific that you're looking for or looking at? You said there were bones before. Yeah, yeah. how interested is Henry in the bones? <laughs> <laughs> so you start looking around at the rubble underneath where this collapsed table was, and you find those bones too that have been mentioned. I know somebody saw them, I'm guessing they said something. Yeah, that was me. Okay, so you're checking out these bones that were mentioned, you're able to spot them without any real issue. You're able to start finding multiple bones. You think that if you're going to try to sift through this area and find all of it, it's probably going to take you a, a little chunk of time probably, you know, 20, 30 minutes. How much time do you want to spend digging through this? Oh, not that much. I was only going to case around until someone said that they finished searching in the other area. So, yeah, you're able to stumble across a couple of the bones. Say, you know, uh, enough that you think you could piece together half of a, a kobold skeleton. You also find, this is, you know what, this is, a, I think, the first time you guys have found any kind of loot. Ooh. Three gold pieces. A vial of some kind of liquid with the word yum written on it, very clumsily. You find a box containing a bunch of mechanical stuff. And as you're rummaging through, everybody else finishes up their thing, but you're finding pieces of silver once everybody else finishes up. How many silver? Well, it depends on how long it takes for everybody else to come in here. So everybody else has finished up their investigations. You know, Jack's investigation took uh, all of 15 seconds. Gwillem's probably closer. I mean, how long was that spell? Is that a... I'm guessing that's not a fast one. Oh, it's a three-action spell. Oh, that's, that's faster than I expected that to be. Yeah, six seconds. That's it. So, yeah, both of those go by pretty fast. So, yeah, you, you find, uh, we'll call it uh, eight silver pieces before everybody else is done. Are, are you guys all going to go in there and check on V, or are you guys going to stay here? What's the plan? Ooh. Uh, not at all, actually. Gwillem is going to check on Jack near the hole in the west wall. And Barwin's just going to be following Gwillem. So, Jack, how are you feeling? Honestly, not that much better. It smelled like rancid death in that other room, and stepping outside in this hot, muggy air, it's not helping at all. Well, I'll tell you what. You check to see if this water is palatable. Barwin and I will check on V. I'll check the water, come back, and then I'll help set up. Where did uh, V go? 
V rode off to investigate the room with the specters. All right. If I might make a suggestion, uh, that room on the north was seemed more defensible. Maybe we should set up camp there instead. Hmm. I suppose. Yeah, I'm not too comfortable with those flies jumping on us when we were, you know, got our pants down, essentially. Never mind about my pants. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I suppose we shall go find V. While they leave, Jack will head towards the water to check to see if it's drinkable or safe. Sure, yeah. So that'd be a survival test here, and you have... Uh, you are not trained in survival. Nope. Cool. So yeah, you scoop some up and start drinking. Hmm. Does it taste weird? Oh, it's, it tastes awful. It's chewy. You know, it's filled with uh, plant Ugh. matter and stuff, and like it's it's swamp water. Chewy is not what I what I hear my water be like. Yeah. Yeah. Jack's gonna just spit it out, wipe his hands on his britches, and walk back. Yeah. As you go to wipe your hands off, you you see you've got leeches on your hands. Oh, fuck off. He just kind of just slaps them away. Oh, that's not how leeches work, man. You can't just slap them away. <laughs> <laughs> Those suckers lock on. Okay, well, I will yeah, you yank need, them you off. Fire. Yeah, yeah, fire is a better way. But you tear them away, and they leave little rivulets of blood as the water runs from your hands. So as Gwilym walks back with Borbin to the kobold ghost room, he'll remark, so, V, have you found anything of note? We, I have a couple things there. And she will display the box with the bottle on top of it. Hmm. Well, I don't imagine this file would contain anything better than vile, considering the piles of dung left for us by our welcoming committee. I'm not sure about it, but let's investigate it further later. There were also some bones in the corner. I didn't bother trying to figure out more of them unless you wanted to try to look more into it. Hmm. Perhaps they will clue us in on those ghostly fellows. Where are those bones? She'll lead them over. Okay, yeah, you find a couple of bones that she's pulled aside. They're clearly the bones of kobolds. Can I tell from their bones what injuries they sustained? Hmm, okay. That is going to require some kind of test. Did Jack drink any of any leeches while he was drinking that water? No, you would have you would have <laughs> felt those. I was gonna say you did say it was chewy. They would have been masticated. <laughs> Stop masticating in there. You can't tell me what to do, Dad. You'll go blind. <laughs> okay. Okay, you take some time and investigate some of the bones that have been picked out of the rubble here. Uh, you find a couple of ribs. Investigating those, you find scoring on some of the ribs. Looks like maybe some stabs happened in the rib-type area on at least uh, the bones that you're able to find here. So, be to catch you up to speed, that frog in the other room was chomped. One bite took off both its back legs. A very large creature. Not something we've seen so far, and not one I imagine I'd like to meet. Now, these kobolds, they met a quite different fate. They've been stabbed a number of times. You'll see right here, the marks. We, oui. All right, yes. Willem wasn't even really paying attention to see if she was paying attention. He was just kind of rambling on. Jack would probably be walking in at this point. Yeah, with everyone in, then V would take the coin she found, and then the other three, she'll go to each of them and hand them each one a gold coin. 
I found some coins as well. I think it's only fair to share. Or Jack would walk in. Um, he'd actually see Borwin peeking in through the door. He wouldn't have followed Gwilym into the room itself. Jack would probably tap him on his shoulder. You're a right, big guy. Uh, at that point, uh, he, he'd be startled. He'd just jump. Easy, friend. It's me. Oh. Um, is it really a good idea to stay in there? If you're worried about the ghosts, I think they ran away. I think that little poppet scared the bridges out of them. Which is a little firecrack I noticed. Definitely skilled. Honestly, you're all really skilled. Well, Rin, of course, has certainly seen an adventurer or two come through her tent flaps. She probably knew what she was doing when she put us together. Anyway, that giant frog back there, did it have any tusks like the one that attacked us at the bridge? Tell you what it didn't have. Legs. And those legs were bitten off by something extremely large. <laughs> Just keeps getting better and better, don't it? We'll see. Anyway... How you feeling? You're feeling all right? I saw you got bit by that fly. Oh, I'm feeling all right, I suppose. I could use a rest and a nice coffee, though. All right. How about you, V? You good? I would say good enough. Are we really going to take a break here? I do not feel we have been quite on track. We are here for a mission. We have to figure out what that light is. Killing these maggots has not exactly led us any closer to figuring out why there is a light here. Ah, precisely why we need to take a break. We need to relax and focus ourselves toward our goal. We've been stabbing around in the dark, as it were, and I think we could use a moment to set ourselves right. I agree. We definitely don't want to be caught unawares, either. Orwin anxiously nods in agreement. Bakor, more playing for me, it seems. How long do you guys plan to rest here? Maybe a full rest? That's what I was kind of open to. Ah, no! But just by that reaction, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> that, um... It might not be a great plan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Like, no, V would not be... She's not here to stay the night. I said, like, an hour rest at most is what she's okay with. Okay. And then that can give you some time to finish going through the bones, and then she can do some more lay on hands. So, who looks the most hurt right now? I'm, me and Henry are both at half. I'm below half. But just by a bit. Alright. So seeing that uh, Borwin uh, looks the most hurt, uh, she'll walk up to him. Alright, so you'll get the first bits of it. She'll tap the side of his knee. And you'll get a six points, I believe. As that's happening, Willem will be curiously peering just over V's shoulder. He's wondering how this is happening, so please, what's going on? Well, a little bit of white magical energy kind of surrounds her hand for a little bit to show that a magic power is, like, gathering. As she touches him, it sort of shimmers around and then dissipates. If there is any visible wound, that little bit of white sparkling energy just sparkles around that wound and seals it up. So Gwilym will wait for the process to finish and finally ask, Um... B, what is it actually that you are doing here? What? I... What I do? I... I, I touch them and I heal them. I... Hmm. Well, well, yes, the light does the healing. I, I just wonder, what if your god ceased to exist? 
would you still be able to heal, or would you be rendered inert? Kind of frowns a little at that. Well, I would hope that she would not suddenly disappear. She is so well established, I do not imagine Serenoi just disappearing one day. My magic is definitely tied to her, but I suppose if she was gone, then so too would my magic. I would hope that it would never come to that. I only ask because, after all, we are in the age of lost omens, after Erodin ceased to be. I've seen it myself, clerics bereft of their power, left to question if their lives meant anything. And quite sad, really. Careful who you devote yourself to. That is not exactly something I have a choice in. No choice? Look, I get asked a lot of personal questions anytime I show up. I do not like answering them all the time. My apologies, I don't mean to pull any sensitive threads. And to interject there, Borwin will, after being healed, turn around and... Wherever your healing may come, I sure do appreciate it. Thank you. Please. While this conversation is going on, Jack will be listening in, not saying anything. His focus is mostly turned towards the rubble in the center of the room, looking for more bones that might be buried underneath. Sure, yeah. You're taking your time digging through and pulling out a good amount of bones while you're listening in on what's going on. Just finding a nice little spot, dusting it off, and then kneeling and getting in position. And kneels down, holds her hands in front of her, starts whispering the prayers that she was taught. Glory be to you, Dawnflower, thou who exemplar compassion and mercy. Ah, so the gambit is revealed. Although you don't need to take actual time to do the healing, you do still need to take time before you can heal. I see. Yes, and it helps if I can concentrate while I'm doing it. Ah, yes. Uh, that makes sense. Well, I'll leave you to it. Gwillem shuffles off awkwardly. An additional 10 minutes go by, you're able to use your Lay on Hands ability again. Sorry, dog gets favoritism. Ooh. <laughs> Don't worry, Jack's used to it. <laughs> oh. You okay, buddy? So it's gonna be like 40 minutes to give everyone one Lay on Hands. Okay, so, Jack, you are able to go through all of this rubble and pick out enough bones to make up the corpses of six kobolds after about half an hour. Okay. You see Jack actually pull out a notebook and start writing in it. And then he puts it back in his backpack. So it looks like there was six kobolds under that rubble. Don't see any more bones that I could find, at least. If those are the bones of the ones that were causing a ruckus, then I think pretty obvious they need to be laid to rest. Maybe. I'm not too familiar with all that works. Well, I suppose you can do as you will with those bones. I don't need any bones or bone fragments for my spells. Jack's actually going to turn around at him and give him kind of like a like a look of like, really, dude? <laughs> <laughs> and Thorwin's just going to ignore what he said and walk up to V. Oui? Uh, are you going to need any help? I definitely am not able to carry all of them at once. With his wide reach, he'll grab the whole pile of bones and help you carry it anywhere that you'd wish to bury them. Probably a place with dirt. So probably right outside where the wall got smashed open in the other room. So you make your way out through that blown out wall behind the corpse, or I guess over the corpse of the half-eaten giant frog. Out onto the banks 
of this swamp water here, outside. Does anybody have any kind of digging equipment? I have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not gonna be—he's not gonna be able to dig like a grave. Like he Three could dig a hole and bury one of those bones, but. Uh... <laughs> well, how big is a kobold? How big is a kobold? A kobold is about the size of a about the size of one of these gremlins. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, a little bit bigger. So like three and a half, four feet? Yeah. And there's six of these? Yeah. Once Borwin sets down all of the bones, almost like clockwork, he starts going through the rubble. Borwin starts to collect any pieces of wood that he could use for a pyre. And you start seeing him lug one piece of wood after another after another. What, uh, what are you doing there, Borwin? I'm... Cannot dig them a grave. Suppose we can give them another way of passing. And, uh, what way is that? When we can't bury our dead, we burn them, so their ashes can reach the spirits. Well, you can feel free to go right ahead, my friend. But remember, Jack said those flies would be attracted if not empowered by a fire. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna have you make a make a nature roll. Yeah, okay. Nature roll was a 14. Uh, you know that none of that stuff is true. <laughs> you you know you know that like moths are attracted to light and flames, and uh, you've never heard of any kind of fly that's able to eat and then shoot out fire. Jack must have been confused. So, I guess after saying that to Borwin, Gwilym will just keep to himself that flies don't do any of those things. Yeah, Jack, you got uh, two critical fails on both of those tests. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> so, you build a little pyre, place all the bones there, light it up, and send them on their way to wherever kobolds go when they die. You guys spend a little bit of time hunkered down in that room where they were, do some prayers, do some healing. It's been probably about 45 minutes. And you guys feel like this is probably a good time to head back out. It is getting quite late. I'm not sure how you all expected this to go. It might be good to regroup and return in the morning. Did we not just rest so that we could continue on? We still do not know why there is a light. Borwin would just respond, my body feels ready to go, but mentally, I, I don't think I could go further on. If we left, do you think you could return? At first I thought perhaps I wasn't built for any of this, but I have to see what answers lie in here. I, I think I can go. What do we think? Should we investigate a little bit more? And then return to Otari later? Or say we keep on pressing on. As I have said, I am prepared to keep going. We have nowhere closer to figuring out the lights, and that is why we are here. Alright, but can I please suggest that we are a little bit more methodical in our approach? Of course. Do we know which direction the tower is, so we know which way to head? Up, I believe. We would have all noticed the stairs, right? Yeah, we have two stairs. We have the ones in the main hall and the one, the rickety pair over there. Well, this, this one over here is shot. What you can see of those stairs, that's it. It doesn't go up any further than that. It doesn't make it all the okay. way up. All right. You had a ladder in the room with the flies, but that's 10 feet off of the ground. You guys can try to climb up it with an athletics check. This goes up to a hole in the roof. That's what you got. Well, if he's saying up, I 
may not feel comfortable with this, but just overall, with the skill sets that all of you have shown, maybe I could feel a little more comfortable leading ahead. That's just fine, Borwin. Like I said, don't just open doors willy-nilly. Take a more methodical approach. Now, I believe we've passed up a number of doors already. We should maybe check the check behind us. Check our foundations before we go up. Sound like a plan. So you mean clearing out the rest of this floor? Isn't that opening doors illy-nilly, as you said? Mm, but not just one after another or one after another. We must evaluate the rooms. So basically what you're suggesting is you go into a room, clear it out, make sure nothing's left behind, go into the next room. Well, take notes, of course. I saw you keeping a journal. Yeah. Quite smart, yes. Very good indeed. Is that not what we were just doing, going through a room and clearing it out? Don't we need to know which direction to add? Of course. Alright. We passed up a couple of doors to get to this first door here. There was no thought that went into choosing this door. No offense. Jack just kind of shrugs at that. So, Barwin, you mentioned you would like to lead. Please, lead the way. Borwin remembers the entrance here. So we said that we wanted to go towards our objective, so why are we going backwards? Well, we have already been between two sets of enemies already, and it's not a predicament I intend- Wait, so we should- if we know that every door we open, there is something behind it, should we not try to just focus our attentions on the direction we need to go? Ah, uh, yes. Every door, but only every door so far. It was a very small sample size. We have a lot of loose ends. I will readily accept if this course of action doesn't work out. Will you give it a chance? Alright, so we all took a chance opening a door, so I suppose it is only fair you get your chance to choose your door. Um, well, Barwin's choosing the door for me, but yes, 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 never mind. Go ahead, Barwin. Barwin leads everyone back towards the entrance to check the door on the east side of the halls before the stairs. The door that you've led everyone to is obscured by some of the rubble from the hole in the ceiling where these stairs lead. You think you could clear it out of the way to get the door open without too much effort, but it might make some noise. Do all of you want to enter through here? Well, as I mentioned, I don't plan on getting between two groups of enemies again. If it doesn't look like anything can come through here, maybe we can move on. Honestly, you're the one that's leading us right now, so I'll follow where you go. Then let's go around. Let's see if we can find another way in. I remember hearing a door when the gremlin from before was running away. You remember what direction it was? Oui. If you would like to seek it out, then I think that will lead us to where more of them are if you wish to seek them out. Clever thinking. Barwin's going to follow that lead and head down the corridor and then to the right. You all progress deeper into the ruins. The rubble and wreckage from the battle that happened 500 years ago is on full display in this corridor. It's mounds of fallen stone and burnt and charred timber. You can see the devastation on the walls around you. The scorch marks are all over. This is most likely where the brunt of the battle happened. As you progress past that turn to the right, 
and head down the corridor. You can see a blown out chunk of the wall on your right hand side before another door. The rubble from around that doorway has been cleared out. Further ahead of you, you see the wall of the keep with another massive segment knocked away, like something crashed through here, exposing the open air of the fog fan beyond. On your left-hand side, you can see another door leading towards the north. The corridor continues and turns sharply to the left, and again at the end of that, another pile of rubble blocking fairly significantly a pair of double doors. Is there anything of note in these halls that could be used for that's odd? The area where the wall is blown out, you can also see that the wall on your right-hand side that leads further into the ruins is also partially destroyed. It looks like with a little bit of effort you could probably clear some of the rubble away and go in through there and save through the door. Jack's going to point that out, saying, you know, if we wanted to maybe take a peek inside there and clear out some of the rubble, might help us get the jump on whatever might be on the other side of that door. And, uh, what tools do you have? This time you hear the sound of a high-pitched squeal in a series of shrieks coming from beyond the door. You all hear that? Everyone heard it except for V. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did it sound like anything like those gremlins from before? Possibly. Might be the gremlins. Might be the door has chosen us. Barwin, steal yourself. Barwin, unsure of what option to take, turns to them and says, well, uh, So it's are we taking the door, or are we checking the... They are a small squeeze. I'm pretty sure I could fit in them to take a peek. Barwin's going to walk up to the crevice here and just see how it looks integrally. Because you said it looks like you could go through it with tools, right? Uh, you wouldn't really need tools. You just need to clear away some of the rubble that's in there. Okay. Borwin will go ahead and clear some of the rubble then just to, to see if he could peek inside. Well, you're able to get there. You can peek inside without clearing it away. You'd have to do a little bit of work to get through, but you're able to kind of peek within. Is it really dark inside or? It's dark everywhere, man. There's there's not really any light. The sun's down. The fog is blocking out any rays that the moon would send. You're only able to really see in your immediate surroundings. Then Borin will back away slowly, try to sneak away from it just so he doesn't catch any attention. Borin returns back to the group and just indicates, It seems it's too dark for me to see in there. I don't know if shining a light in that would be a good idea. Apparently painted eyes don't need too much light to see, so I could take a look in. Then by all means. Alright, well V's taking a peek in. You peek in? Can you see anything in there? I'm peeking. Oh, I can see things. Okay. What do you see? I see some gremlins. You see some gremlins. Okay. So you peer through, and you can see a 10-foot deep sinkhole in the middle of this chamber. It is crowded with rubble. The entire ceiling is blown away. You see down in this pit, three gremlins wrestling with each other, screeching and shrieking a little bit, fighting over some grubs or mushrooms down there. You're also able to make out one just against the wall. Looks like he's standing ready to attack anybody that goes through that door. She will silently slip back to rejoin the group. Gonna make perception rolls for everybody again on something else here. Ah, Gwillem. Yeah. That's convenient. You're able to actually make out what's going on. You're able to hear a voice coming from the other side. 
and you're able to understand it because you are currently able to speak undercommon. Yep. So you hear from the other side. Would you just like uh, hurry up down there? We got to bring food back in before these guys come in. Yeah, stop stop fighting down there, you idiots. Get the you fucking idiots. Stop fighting. Just get the food. Willem will gesture his arms toward himself, trying to gather everybody around. B hops back up on Henry and comes and joins the group. All right, B. Did you see what I heard? Wait, there was a sinkhole about ten feet deep. I saw three of them down there fighting over scraps. And right by the door, there is someone on guard. Someone on guard, you say? Then I say we flip their trap on them. If everybody could perhaps pick a good hiding place, we could ambush them when they come out. Sounds like a plan. Jack will position himself on the west side of the door. V will go up near that rubble pile so that she can get a nice charge down at the door. Wouldn't the light be a bit of a giveaway? You're right. I'm going to be bait. Willem will walk north a few steps just to the opposite wall and pretend to be looking at where the flame scorches were on the wall before. Everybody still has light because of my staff still shining, and hopefully I will be drawing attention since Gwilym is not attempting to hide himself. I'll open the door, and they'll scurry out, and you smash. Sounds like a plan. Gwilym will approach the door and wait for everybody else to get ready, and silent nods will be passed. All right, so everybody, let's get you all into position. Is everybody where they want to be? Yep. 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 With the actions you guys are taking, we're about to enter initiative. So you'll have a couple of options here. Uh, Stealth will be available for uh, pretty much everybody other than Gwillem. Gwillem, I'll give you the option for uh, deception if you want to use it. And like always, everyone's able to use perception. So I'm going to pop up my initiative tracker here. Let's go. Yeah, I would be using stealth. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a nat one on my roll, so... <laughs> Again? Another one? Oh, my God, dude. Not a nat one, but I got a seven, too. <laughs> yeah, I got a seven total. Oh, okay. I, I guess duality here. Borwin rolled a natural 20 on his initiative. <laughs> All right. All right, so for my first roll, it was a nat one, so I'm going to spend my hero point card on that to re-roll to a 15. All right. That's a, that's a little bit better. Just, Just a, bit. a bit. Just a smidge. Yeah, I think I'll have to do it, too. Oh, yeah, that's much better. I now have a 23. Go ahead and give back those hero point guards. I didn't want this card anyway. So your heroic initiative for everybody. I'm going to make a stealth roll for you to see how well you're hidden. Okay. Okay. So, Borwin, you're up first. The door is still closed. We're still setting up. Borwin's just going to prepare his axe to, to swing at anything that comes out of the door. Next in line is V. Uh, it's going to have to be a ready in action to attack. Okay. Then Gwillem. Gwillem opens the door. As you pull the door open, the light from your staff shines into this room. You're able to see that 10-foot deep sinkhole. It's pretty big. It's about 30 feet across, filled with rubble. You can see those three gremlins down there rumbling with each other, just wrestling, trying to fight over grubs and mushrooms. You're also able to see not one, but two 
gremlins that were standing watch at this door. As you pull the door open, their ready to actions trigger. So one of them will throw a dart at you. Oh. There's a 19 hit. Yep, it hits. So as the door opens, he kind of pops around the corner and he's like, and he wings a little knife at you, gets you for three piercing damage. Okay. The other does the same. How about a 12 to hit you? That's a miss. Okay, so yeah, that flings right over your shoulder, no problem. Then, you still have two more actions. So, Gwilym was originally going to fake Shriek and run away, but now with that dart hitting him, it's going to be <laughs> a little bit more believable. So, Gwilym will go, uh, uh, get away! And then he will just start to use movement action to move away. 30 feet away. Back towards the entrance. And uh, we'll actually be between two hiding friends. All right. The gremlins turns. So their reactions have gone off. These two that are up at the top are going to come out trying to chase you. So as the one steps through the doorway, that is going to trigger Borwin's ready to action. So go ahead and make your attack, Borwin. As the gremlin comes out of the door, Borwin, with the axe readied above his head, swings down onto it. Does a 26 hit it, Taisy? Oh, yeah, dude. 26 definitely is. That is going to be a critical Yes! Attack. Finally! Yeah, finally got it. Yay! Finally! Woo! Let's see the critical hit deck. You are using a slashing weapon. Critical hit card says normal damage until healed. The target is clumsy one and can't use one of its hands. Chosen randomly by the GM. Well, uh, you're to his right, so it's going to be his right hand. All right, so go ahead and roll damage. With that, I got nine for damage. So what happens is you swing as it comes out, cut the thing's hand clean off. It shrieks, flails around, and then drops dead on the spot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well. <laughs> then the next one, who's not too smart, comes running out through, clambering over the other guy that just dropped to the ground, uh, is chasing after Gwillem, makes it about here, uh, halfway between the two of you, realizes what happened, stops for a moment, trying to decide what to do. Let's give him a perception roll. Oh, he sees all of you. He... <laughs> He's not too happy. He is going to change his mind and run back in. That's his whole turn. <laughs> the ones that are down in the pit continue rumbling with each other. They are too distracted to pay attention to what's going on. Jack, your turn. Jack's just going to move a little bit closer up in my first action. And then for my second action, Jack is going to ready an action to strike at anything that comes through the door. Okay, so that would be your turn. That brings us to Borwin. Borwin's actually going to step in here. Okay, so that would trigger Jack's reaction. No. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> man, I want to so bad, but I'm not going to because it's, it's real real bogus. So yeah, you step into the doorway and you are face-to-face -face with... Well, you're not face-to-face. -face. He's real short. You're crotch-to-face with this gremlin. Now he's going to do the underhanded swing again and chop upwards at the creature. Does a 14 hit its AC? A 14 hits its AC. How much damage? That'll be nine damage. Nine damage is almost enough to kill this guy, but he's still standing. So how close is uh, this creature to the pit? He's right at the edge. Then Borwin's going to kick it in. Go for it, yeah. Give me an athletics check. So there's going to be a shove. Oh, <laughs> no. I got, I got a crit. Uh, <laughs> yes. So that's a 20 on the die. Yes. That's, that's 27 total. <laughs> Okay, so in, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you're able to do all sorts of cool combat maneuvers, including what Borwin's trying to do here, which is called a shove. So, you must have at least one hand free, and the target can't be more than one size larger than you. For game mechanic purposes, 
to have the rules kind of accommodate the, the description of the item, uh, mechanically speaking, the weapon you're using is a Dwarven War Axe. So that's a one- or two-handed weapon. So it'll allow you to do the shove attack. You push the creature away from you. You attempt an athletics check against the target's fortitude DC. So his fortitude DC is 10. So uh, you beat it by uh, <laughs> a good margin. You beat it by 17. So that counts as a critical success. So it says you push your target up to 10 feet away from you. You can stride after it, but you must move the same distance and in the same direction. So do you want to follow up? So if I follow it and let's say it goes down, do I not take any fall damage? Or would I take well, fall damage? Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> You're still going to fall. Okay. But... <laughs> but that'll get you into the pit. Yeah, sure. He'll follow in. Dude, fortune favors the bold. In you go. So this guy falls down. He takes the damage. So it's 10 feet deep, so he takes five points of damage, which is enough to flat out kill him. So you go in. You also take that same five points of damage. You boot the thing into the pit and then jump down and land among his friends who are no longer fighting each other. Uh, you know what? That was pretty cool. I'm going to give you an extra Euro point card. Nice. All right. That brings us to V. Nothing came out. Yeah. Yeah, she's coming in. Maybe. She's got she to command Henry. So that's first action. Let's see if Henry wants to move. Okay, 19. That'll, that'll get him to move. Excellent. She's going to come in here, see what's going on. Sorry, you enter the room through that blasted out part. You're not really concerned about trying to not make noise at this point. Also, you're much smaller than everybody else, so you're able to get through there without too much difficulty. You're riding on Henry. And as you enter, you're able to see down in that pit the three remaining gremlins and Borwin. Mm, no, because it's it's ten feet down, so I couldn't I couldn't reach them, even if I got on an edge closer to them. Just make sure none of them pop back up. Maybe patrol. <laughs> just shove them back, them back down in there. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'd rather do that. Hold an action. Use my last two to hold in case one of them come up. Okay, so you're going to ready an action to attack once something comes in range. Is that right? Yep. Cool. Brings us to Gwillem. Back outside in that hall, standing in a pile of rubble. So the plan seems to have gone okay. <laughs> I got hit, but we're going to go ahead and see how things are going. But the way the Borwin just rushed through, and uh, we'll be able to move can see. right into the As you step in through the doorway, you immediately are at the edge of the pit. Kind of like that scene in Home Alone, where they walk in and almost fall in. Wow. Down in the pit, you're able to see your friend... Wow, what a hole. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're able to see Borwin down there, along with those three gremlins, who just became aware of everything that's going on around them. Up on the side there, to your left, you're able to see V riding on Henry, Lance at the ready. What do you do? So, I will try and be of best assistance I can be with my cantrips, and I'm going to go ahead and use Acid Splash without my friends in the way this time. That sounds like a good improvement. So, I will use Acid Splash. It's an attack spell, and I rolled an 11. I don't like that one bit. I'm going to use a hero point to reroll. There we go. Okay. Did 11 doesn't hit? Oh, he didn't ask me that hit. He just said he's using yeah, an action point. Like or the 11. hero point. Go for it. Give me another roll. Okay. Ooh, second roll's 19. Yeah, 19's way better. 19's going to hit. All right. 
19, he will take 3 acid damage and 1 splash of damage for everybody around him. So yes, that gremlin in the middle will take 3 acid damage. A splash of acid will come from my staff and hit that guy in the middle and get everybody around him for 1. Okay, they all hiss and, and get pissed off. Pull knives out. Then we go to Jack. You're outside in the hall. Jack's seeing that the plant's not really being followed. He's kind of <laughs> side himself and uh, just <laughs> run inside. Is there a way I, from like where Jack can stand right now that we can like he can easily jump down into the pit without falling? Well, I mean, you can you can make a test to try to jump in there without any kind of damage. Yeah, why not? I'll try that. Fuck it. So unfortunately, no. There's not an easy way down there. You can try to climb down if you'd like. That would be an athletics test. Okay. I would have to stow away my weapons for that, though, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll try and climb down. That'll be my second action, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. All right, let me roll that uh, acrobatics, right? Athletics. 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 Okay. That's an 11. Oh, an 11 does not cut it, so you fall in. You're going to take that full amount of damage. It's five points of damage. But hey, you made it down there. I'm going to use my last action to draw my main gauche again. Okay. So now the gremlins are going to go. They're all well aware of what you've done, Borwin, and they're coming for you. The one in the center, the one that was hit by that acid splash directly, looks at you, Borwin, and it says some stuff that you can't understand, and starts moving its hands around in a way that looks really weird. I need you to make a will save. Borwin rolled a 13, first of all. Okay, so you fail your save. As the thing moves its hands in a bizarre way and mumbles some stuff, you start to doubt yourself and your abilities. So you are afflicted by a spell that's going to give you a minus one status penalty to your attack rolls, and it's going to persist for as long as you remain near this gremlin. Then, he attacks, swinging his knife at you. Does a 17 hit? Uh, it does not. Okay. His two friends will gang up. One of them scampers around, gets onto your side, comes at you with a giant knife. How about Nate? Uh, that would be a crit miss. Nice. All right, so let's go. Um, yes. Whole lot of these fumbles. So this guy's got a melee weapon. It says, on the receiving end, you deal damage to yourself instead of the target. There he goes. He's going to swing the knife at you. Horribly misses and comes through and slashes into his own forearm, dealing three points of damage. And he's done. And then his other friend is going to come up onto the opposite side of you, Borwin. So you are now flanked. So your AC is reduced by two. See if that's enough to turn the tides for these guys. How about a four to hit you? <laughs> oh my god. Alright. Let's see what that's happens a, to this poor son of a bitch. Another crit miss. Yeah, yeah. It says ring your own bell. Until healed, you are deafened. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how you can do that to yourself with a knife, but uh, he sw- you know what? He swings. He, he, he pulls his arm way back. And he swings over to the shoulder, cuts his own ear straight off. Uh. <laughs> and Borwin's uh. just staring at all this stuff, and he's like, "Whoa!" Uh, he's not done yet. He is going to attack you a second time. Does an eleven hit you? Uh, no, it does not. No, not I a crit, though. All right, all right. So uh, that is the end for the gremlin's turn. Okay, Borwin, your turn. You are surrounded on two sides by gremlins, and you've got a third one real close by. Borwin's going to, in an attempt to get two of them right now, uh, he's going to swing twice. 
he'll be swinging to the one that's to the right of him first. That's going to be a 23. Yeah, 23 is a critical hit. All right. Let's see. So with this, I've gained momentum. You gain a plus two circumstance bonus to all attack rolls until the end of the next turn. That's going to be a 14 on the die, or a 14 for damage. What, what do you do to him? Because this guy's dead. He's just going to cleanly cut him right through the waist and then continue on swinging. Okay, so you follow through into the next guy. Okay, continuing on with the slash, Orwin rolled a 23. Oh yeah, 23 is a critical hit. I guess, you know, when it rains, it pours, huh? Oh yeah. Normal damage, crit effect. The target takes 2d6 persistent bleed damage. Well, how much damage is normal damage? Uh, normal damage would be 14. That does not matter. Yeah, he is persistently much, yeah. dead. Just a little blood fountain coming out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you uh, you kill him. You kill him so good that uh, somehow it's like uh, like in Kill Bill. There's like arterial spray for way too long, like a comedically long amount of time. He's been dead for five minutes and it's still just like. He's going to continue his swing just because the momentum has been so well and slash at the final gremlin. Go for it. Ooh, and that be the miss. He rolled a total of seven. And then I have a plus two from the critical uh, effect from before. Then, because it is a sweeping weapon, it says that this weapon makes a wide sweeping or spinning attack, making it easier to attack multiple enemies. When you attack with this weapon, you gain a plus one circumstance bonus to your attack roll if you already attempted to attack a different target this turn using this weapon. So it's plus two, then plus one. So it's a plus three to the seven. So that'd be 10. Okay, and he is flanked, so that his AC is dropped down by two. Oh, man, that is a miss by one. So close. So close. So close. All right, so V, what do we got? The waiting game hasn't been working out for V, so now that the little gremlin is close to the edge, she can get reach at him, so going to roll a nature check to get Henry to move. Rolled an 11, but it's been two rounds of combat, so Henry's now only frightened two because it goes down each round. So that's not going to be enough. Ah, so he stalls. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try one more time on that nature check. Even worse at a nine. Henry Oof. does not want to move, but I want to get in a position in case this gremlin gets an attack. So we're going to try one more time to get Henry to move. 16. All right. There Henry we go. is a little nervous around on the edge, but finally V is able to spur him on closer so that she's standing right at the head above this gremlin. All right. He's within range. So close that you can smell it. Gwillem, at the top of the pit, looking down at the carnage inflicted by Borwin. He's covered. Covered in blood. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite a situation down there. A little massacre. So Gwillem's going to use days again. A will save, please, from the gremlin. All right. Ooh, seven. Mm. All right. That is a critical miss. He will take four damage and be stunned one. Oh, okay, so stunned means that he loses uh, a number of actions equal to that value. So on his next turn, he will have two actions instead of the normal three. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the regular four damage. Straight to the brain. It shrieks and runs. It makes it across the bottom of the pit. It's going to try to climb up. Ooh, it makes no progress. So yeah, he runs across and he's scrambling trying to climb up the sides of this pit. Jack, what are you doing? Jack's going to move up right behind the creature here. I'm going to do my device stratagem. 
and then I'm going to roll my d20 here. 17. That's nice. Okay. And now, what I would like to do is I would actually not like to kill this creature if I can. Would I be able to maybe try to, with like my roll, use a strike to try to bash it up against the head to try to try and knock it out? To try to do like non-lethal damage? Yep, non-lethal damage. Uh, yeah, you can try to do non-lethal damage and knock somebody out. Your weapon doesn't have the non-lethal trait. You're taking a minus two penalty to your attack roll. Okay, that's fine in of itself because 17 plus five would be 22. All right, so you're gonna you're gonna follow up on your stratagem. Yeah. Yep. Okay, 22 is not quite a critical hit, but it's enough to land your blow. So go ahead and roll damage, and it's going to be non-lethal damage. Okay, so seven damage on the rapier's die, and then because I'm using the strategic strike, I will add an additional d6 to that, which is a six. <laughs> Maximum nice. subdual damage. So that is way, way more than enough. That would have been enough to knock him out if he were feeling good on the best day of his life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... He has been rendered unconscious. He sees this thing just trying to run away, smirks to himself, and he raises his rapier above his head and just brains the back of the gremlin's head with the pommel. You have defeated the gremlin, rendered him unconscious. Combat has ended. For now, it seems to be peaceful. Jack will then immediately take out his backpack and pull out the rope and tie this creature up. All right, let's see how those ropes hold. Next week on the next exciting episode of the Four Glory Podcast.